Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of Bothell Amplified. Pastor Joe here. Uh, this week, we welcome to the pulpit our pastor for community engagement, Reverend Kristen Joyner, as she preached on the second Sunday of Advent, leading us into a conversation around what it means to practice preemptive peace. Check out the sermon here. The beginning of the good news of Jesus Christ, as it is written in the prophet Isaiah. See, I am sending my messenger ahead of you who will prepare your way. The voice of the one crying out in the wilderness. Prepare the way of the Lord. Make his path straight. So John the baptizer appeared in the wilderness, proclaiming a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. And the whole Judean region and the people of Jerusalem were going out to him and were baptized by him in the Jordan River confessing their sins. Now John was clothed with camel's hair and a leather belt around his waist, and he ate locust and wild honey. He proclaimed, the one who is coming is more powerful than I. I am not worthy to stoop and untie the strap of his sandals. I have baptized you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. Holy words for God's people. Morning, church. It's great to be with you this morning. My name is Joe. I get to serve as lead pastor here, and it's a joy to be with you, all of you who are here on site, those of you who are worshiping with us online as well. What a joy it is to be together today. A couple announcements before we get started. Um, Today, right after service, uh, if you're here on site, uh, we will be uh, finishing our decorating uh, for Advent and for the holiday season. Uh, we will provide lunch. So if you are here, um, uh, please uh, connect with Jeremy Matthias, who is pacing back and forth back there. So um, you'll see him, uh, but uh, connect with Jeremy. Uh, we're grateful for his leadership in that. Also, we do have our cookie walk happening after service as well in the fellowship hall. And then uh, we have our pizza with the pastors. And so if you are new or want to get to know a little bit more about the life of our church and get to know some of our story, our values, where we're going, uh, we'd love for you to join us. Uh, That will also be in the fellowship hall. We'll kind of uh, segment a little bit uh, after we have some time for fellowship and connecting. Speaking of which, uh, stop by the fellowship hall after service. Uh, It is a great time to meet the people around you, uh, to get to know uh, somebody who you may not know or to connect with old friends as well. So please do come by the fellowship hall for fellowship um, and uh, make this a time for community. On Tuesday, uh, t- uh, December 5th at 12 p.m., uh, we have our uh, monthly Elderfest gathering. And so please come by for uh, some games and lunch. It is potluck style, and so we'd love for you to join us for that. And then that same night uh, at 6 p.m., we will have our uh, monthly pint night at 192 Brewing in Kenmore. Uh, Join us for just uh, time to get to know folks and to uh, share in the love and the magic of the season. Um, uh, We will provide uh, some appetizers. Uh, You provide your own beverage, okay? And lastly, as we are entering our, uh, well, within this season of Advent, I would just want to remind you of some things uh, that are happening uh, through this season. We do have uh, studies uh, that are going on now. Uh, studies is probably not the right word. They're really time just to gather, to reflect, to be in community. Uh, every Monday at 6.30 p.m., uh, noon on Wednesdays online, and then Wednesday 1 p.m. Uh, on site. So uh, Monday 6.30 and Wednesday 1 p.m. are both uh, in person, on site, and then Wednesday noon is online only. 
Also, uh, December 20th at 7 p.m. is our longest night service. And so uh, if you need a space or looking for a space to still your spirit, to be with community, uh, to recognize that uh, some parts of the season or much of the season may be hard for you, which is okay, uh, we'd love for you to join us for a time of reflection and contemplation and just being in community together. Uh, And lastly, Christmas Eve, which falls on a Sunday this year, uh, we will have three services, 9.30 in the morning, and then 7 p.m. and 11 p.m. And these all all will be a little different, uh, and so we'd love for you to come to one or more, invite a friend, and invite your family, and uh, let this be a Christmas Eve that we can spend together uh, joyously celebrating the coming of Christ's birth, okay? Uh, this week, I was in my favorite coffee shop. Um, it starts with uh, S and ends with Starbucks. Um, <laughs> don't want to give free sponsorship, right? We're, um, and uh, I was uh, working on some things, and um, I was there a lot longer than I expected to be. Um, I had just planned to be there for an hour, hour and a half, and it was like coming up on two hours, and I had finished my coffee. And I remembered that uh, way back when the first, you know, gold cards were uh, uh, being uh, issued, right? You could sign up for this gold card, right, for Starbucks. Uh, There was this thing where you bought a a venti-sized drink, and then you got a free black coffee after that. Anyone remember this? Oh, maybe it was just for me. (laughs) All right, cool. Um, But there was this thing, okay? Um, And they did that, and I remembered it because I happened to be there uh, for a lot longer than I thought I would be. And um, I went up, and I I kind of cautiously questioned, hey, so do you all still do that thing? And they're like, yeah, we do, uh, but you have to... Uh, but we don't do it for this kind of drink, but we do it for this kind of drink, and we'll do it for you, is how it ended up going. And I said, awesome, thank you. And I went, uh, you know, scanned my little card, I sat down, I waited for them to call my name or to tell me what it was. And they called my name and they said, Joseph. And so I went up and on the card or on the cup was my name written in it. And it was a completely different set of uh, service stuff. And it just made me feel really uh, warm and fuzzy inside that folks would know my name, even at a place where, you know, I go to work, where I go to drink coffee, where I go to actually be by myself. Even in those times, uh, you can still find community. And we really hope that that's your experience here. Uh, We don't know all the reasons that bring you to worship this morning, uh, whether you have had great weeks or whether your weeks have been pretty trying and difficult, uh, whether you are celebrating some great football wins or you're lamenting that your team might not be in the college football playoffs. Um, We're just glad you're here. And we want you to know that uh, for you, for exactly who you are, and for how you are showing up today with all that you're carrying, with all that you're celebrating, with all that you are grieving, you are welcome and you belong. And we want to make that a value of ours week after week, every time we gather. And so we say these words to declare them to be true just for this little time, because we know that there are places in our world and society where people are not welcome based on identity, based on belief, And so we say to you this morning, we say together this morning, uh, if you are gay or lesbian, transgender, bisexual, or questioning, know that you are welcome. Know that you belong. If you're black or brown or indigenous, if you've been discriminated against because of the color of your skin, know that you are welcome. Know that you belong. If you find yourself homeless or houseless or in the lower economic brackets of our community, if you're single or divorced or partnered or separated or widowed, know that you are welcome. Know that you belong. 
with all of your unique gifts and abilities, created to be bearers of Christ's image to all the world, know that you are welcome, know that you belong. Amen? Amen. We're in for a treat this morning. Pastor Kristen, our uh, pastor for community engagement, will be preaching for us this morning on hope and on the Mark text that we read earlier. And so uh, let's pray, and then we'll invite her up, okay? God, we uh, give you thanks for this time together, for the gift of community, for friends old and new, for a chance to be our whole selves as we enter into your presence and the presence of one another. We pray that you'd be with Pastor Kristen for all that she's prepared. Pray that you would speak through her and that you would open our hearts and our minds and our spirits, that we would receive all that you have in store. It's in your holy and powerful name that we pray. Amen. Good morning. I do think you said hope, but I, it's peace. It's hope, too. I think, I don't know. Good morning. Today, as we enter this second week of Advent, we, give, we begin the practice of waiting in peace. The kids get it. Feeding people, giving them marshmallows, place to live. So I wonder what happens. The scripture today from Mark 1, 1 through 8, takes us to the beginning of the telling of the new covenant. As verse 1 says, the beginning of the good news. Mark is the earliest gospel book in our Bible written around the time of the destruction of the temple in Jerusalem, around 70 CE. And one of the main points of this telling is to remind the people who the Messiah is and what the good news is all about. And so the very first thing, the first words we hear are about making a way, preparing people for something better to come. A Messiah that was not a military leader or a political king, but the means for salvation and wholeness, the means for just peace. This is a tough time for sure to talk about peace. Active wars are exploding globally. Fighting continues today between countries, cultures, and ethnic groups. Divisiveness rages even in our own country about elections and the economy and vaccines and houselessness and more, bringing about yelling and dividing people and splitting up relationships. And we call for a ceasefire and a truce. We just want it to stop. Stop the fighting. Stop the wars. Peace and quiet. It's easy to understand peace and quiet, especially when we don't have it. When my kids were young and fighting, I did what many parents do. I sent them to their rooms. But in a moment of parental brilliance, and I don't write books about this for sure, but I realized sending them to their own rooms wasn't exactly punishment because they liked their rooms. So I sent them to each other's rooms. My son to my daughter's room. My daughter to my son's room. 
Why? Because I wanted peace and quiet and maybe a little shock factor. And it worked for the moment. I got some peace and quiet and some stunned silence. But the kind of peace that the anointed one brings isn't about silence. It's much more than that. It's a wholeness and a connectedness. This kind of peace isn't passive. This kind of peace takes action. This reading from Mark begins with a reference to the words from the prophet Isaiah, to prepare the way and make the paths straight. It was a usual practice that when a king was coming, the people were to clear the rocks, clear the path, make it level, because it should be easy and clear for the king to get to where the king wanted to go. So John was clearing the path for the Messiah to come. It should be clear and easy for the Messiah to get to and find the people. <clears throat> so there's John, this crazy-haired radical living in the wilderness, heralding the opportunity for people to receive this good news by baptism. This character wearing camel hair and leather, eating off the land, the locusts and the honey, yelling out, repent! And it's hard for me to not compare this image with the guy at the baseball games. You've seen this. Usually a guy, and he's usually yelling. And he's, he's usually yelling, repent, repent! The kingdom is here, coming or something. But repent, because you all are bad people, and you all have to repent, and it makes me really uncomfortable. Because it's this idea that a Christian yelling on a corner, for people who have never heard about Jesus, the first thing they're hearing is repent. I don't know how effective that is. So, frankly, sometimes I want to just stand next to him and yell, but you're loved, you are loved, you are really loved how you are. Because I feel like if a Christian's yelling on a corner, that's what they should be hearing and that's what they should be seeing. <laughs> Oh, but the thing is, he's also not wrong. We do need to repent. We need to turn around in order to bring in the good news. We need to do this as individuals and as communities and as the church. And to be clear, this good news that's coming is that true peace exists for us. So here's John offering a way repentance. Repentance had to come before the baptism. This was a baptism of a confession of sins, a confession of having gone the wrong direction and a desire to change directions in order to repair the relationship with God so that God would clear and forgive sins. It wasn't the baptism that offered the forgiveness. It was the act of repentance that led to the baptism that was the route to being forgiven for all of our separateness from God. Baptism signifies a clean, fresh start, a new beginning and a new covenant of change. And note that a person doesn't baptize themselves. At the River Jordan, we're to understand that this act of being baptized by water by John meant that a person is cleansed 
not by what they do or don't do, but a person is cleansed by God. A person is forgiven because of who God is, not because of who you are. So when John was baptizing the people in the river, telling of a Messiah who was coming soon, he was making the way clear, making it clear. True peace is coming. And then John proclaimed, the one who's more powerful than I is coming after me. I'm not worthy to stoop down and untie the strap of his sandals. I have baptized you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. Now, before you start wondering about being baptized twice, once with water and once with the Holy Spirit, the Methodist fixed that. <clears throat> In our vows of baptism, the pastor says, the Holy Spirit work within you that being born through water and the Spirit, you may be faithful, you may be a faithful disciple of Jesus Christ, both at once, water and Spirit. Repentance Confessing we want a new way of life leads to renewal so that we can become one with God and one with the body of Christ. This is the work that has to actively take place for true peace to exist. Peace is more than the absence of something, more than the absence of fighting. It's a way of being in the world. There's a group that I learned of a few years ago that works in places around the world. And their mission statement is, we stretch across Iraq, Syria, Latin America, the United States, and beyond, working together to unmake violence and create the more beautiful world our hearts know is possible. Their name is Preemptive Love. They say our peacemaking is more than providing emergency aid or helping refugees start new businesses. At the center of everything we do, every food delivery, every family we serve, is the pursuit of peace between communities at odds. We're not just aid workers, we are peacemakers. Every meal, every liter of water, every new job is a chance to demonstrate a different kind of love, a love big enough to unmake violence. This is the idea of peacemaking. Making a way for communities to exist, not just an absence of war, but a demonstration of a different kind of love. A love that not only unmakes violence, but makes violence irrelevant. The way maker of peace is the maker of relationships. Peace doesn't come when we all go into our separate rooms. When my kids were sent to their rooms, it was peaceful. But it wasn't peace. When we silo or isolate or hibernate, it may be peaceful. But it does not bring in peace. If I'd been a smarter parent, I would have instructed my kids to sit in each other's rooms and learn who their sibling was. What was important to them? What could they learn about each other by seeing each other differently? What understandings would they have gained by experiencing each other's spaces? This week I was invited to be a part of a discussion with human services partners who accompany the people in Bothell. The city of Bothell has hired, for the first time, a human services coordinator, and they've begun an in-depth study of the needs in our area. As we broke into table groups, one of our tasks 
was to name the kind of community we wanted to live in. Keep in mind, this is not a group of religious people. In fact, I was the only representative of a faith group of Bothell United Methodist Church in the room. We shared at our tables and then with the whole room. And I shouldn't be surprised, but I, I was, to hear the vision that came from every single table group. This dream session did not reflect any sort of selfish motives or independence or nimbyism or greed or materialism. Nobody wanted that. Huh. Every table shared a vision where all people, cultural, religious, ethnic, income levels, ability levels, and ages, is visible and engaged in community. Not just my group needs this, but an authentic concern for the people who were not like them, groups they didn't know yet. This is beloved community, and it's what this group of people wants for us. They want a community where the uniqueness and differentness is honored, and each person has a sense of belonging, and that word belonging came up a lot. I'm sorry to say we didn't come up with how we're going to do this in that short afternoon, but that will be the ongoing task of the staff. It will need to come with some repentance, some awareness that we as a community, we as a city, need to turn around and go a different direction. It will even need to come with some acts of repair and rec reconciliation to fix wrongs from the past. But this conversation and those like it, that's how we build peace. On an afternoon in November, we came together with different faith communities here in this sanctuary for the annual Kenmore Bothell Interfaith Group Tradition of Thanksgiving Expressions. Baha'i, Islam, Church of Jesus Christ, Latter-day Saints, Church of Christ, Scientists and Christian, to share words of gratitude, to share musical talents, piano, guitar, singing, violin. And we shared cookies and conversation. Friends, it is not typical that people gather with people who are different from themselves, particularly with different religions and cultures. Staying separate from one another passively or actively ignoring the experiences within this diversity of God's people is not the way to peace. The goal of the interfaith gatherings for me is always a waymaker for peace. In this time of Advent, the invitation now is to consider how we're preparing the way, individually and in community, for true peace to come. It's for this reason, with that active hope, with joy and with love, that we can acknowledge and confess our separateness from God and together intentionally clear the path for true peace to come. This is why today we're going to gather at this table Joe will invite all of us to come, God's table, where all are welcome. May it be so. I'm so struck by what Pastor Kristen said about how the peace is about wholeness, it's about connectedness, it's active. The way maker of peace is also the maker of relationships. And I'm struck by how often in human relationships and in relationships between nation states and communities that there is 
conflict, there's fighting, there's war, there's hate, there's pushing out. And perhaps we too need to take a moment to repent and to confess of the ways that we haven't been part of community. So I want to invite us just for a minute to sit and be still and to remember and to reflect on the ways that we too are part of the problem. That as much as we are pushing to be part of the solution of bringing forth God's peace into communities, we have to acknowledge that there are times when we fall short. And so let's take a moment to confess, to repent, and then we'll come to the table. Oh God, we confess to you that we have not loved our neighbors with our whole hearts, that we have not loved one another, that we have perpetuated violence, that we have thought hateful thoughts, that we have wanted ill will towards our community. And for all those times, we pray that you would forgive us. We pray that you would inspire us to be open to your abundance of love and of peace, that we would not be so scarcity-minded that your love can only come to us, but that we would be open to receiving that love and sharing that love to all whom we connect with. And we pray that in this time of communion, that your spirit would fall upon us, that we too would know that true peace. It's in Christ's name that we pray. Amen. All right, so that was our sermon for this week, the second week of Advent, where we reflect on peace. Next week, we'll tackle joy as we welcome to the pulpit our pastoral intern, Brian Fu. Uh, have a wonderful week, and we'll talk to you soon.